Hey, this is Britt Vargas, and I am the High School Ministry Associate Director at Calvary Community Church here in Westlake Village, California. And this is our HSM podcast. Thank you so much for checking us out today. I hope this encourages and inspires you. Here's today's message. Well, hello, welcome. How are you guys? Okay, if we can get the house lights up just a tad, if you haven't already sat on it, you should have gotten an Isaiah booklet who's got one. Does anyone need one? Okay. So, what is happening tonight is we are jumping into our brand new series called Isaiah. And we'll be studying for the next six weeks the book of Isaiah. If you don't know Isaiah, it is found in the Old Testament. And I am so excited, guys. This has been a long time in the making, and we've prayed about it, and we're just so excited for what God has in store for through discussions in your small group, through time alone with Jesus in the scripture, and then here on Sundays. And, and so what I want us to do is kind of introduce and talk about, well, why Isaiah? Well, what we know is that we as Christians, if you call yourself a follower of God, is the fact that we know that we have salvation. And salvation means that we are able to have a relationship with God. We're able to have this relationship with God because Jesus came and did something that we couldn't do for ourselves. And that was he was born a man, he was 100% man and 100% God, and he came, walked to this earth, did ministry, and then this is what we, he did. He went on a cross, has all the sin of the world placed on him. He is perfect, he is blameless, and yet he was crucified on our behalf. And now that sounds like a sad story, but if you know the rest of it, we know that it's a cause for celebration. It's a cause for hope, knowing that three days later, he conquers the grave, resurrects again, and does something for us that we can never do on our own. And the reason why we chose Isaiah was the fact is we want to know and realize that Jesus was never a plan B. Jesus was never a, oh shoot, <laughs> my creation has made too many mistakes, so I guess I have to show some someone or bring something or make something happen so that our life with God, our relationship with God could be repaired. What I want us to realize is through the book of Isaiah is that Jesus was always plan A for God. He was always meant to do what he was doing. He was always meant to come and create this repair and this reconciliation between God and his creation. And so my hope and my challenge is that for the next six weeks, would you lean forward in this? Because I know for a fact that God has something for you. I know a few of you, a few of you I haven't met yet, and if you don't know me, I forgot to introduce myself. My name is Britt. But what I do know is that God is writing a story so specific that only you are able to walk out in that specific purpose. But the thing is, like we'll see in Isaiah, is that there's a choice that is made because of God's forgiveness, because of who he is, we get invited into that choice. So if you have this booklet, this is going to be all that you need to have a leaning forward kind 
of heart in the next six weeks. And so I just want to walk you through this. So here's the thing. The teacher in me is saying, okay, everyone get your pen. If you don't have a pen, some leaders will walk around and there's like a box of pens. But please write your name. There are so many times, and it happened in 11, and I was like, ah! As I said, please, go ahead, take two seconds, write your name, first and last name, because what I hate is the fact that when we do a series with a booklet, there is somebody who leaves their booklet behind. Shocker, right? But the hard part is that I look through, and there's beautiful things that God is doing in this person's life, and I cannot return it. So please write your name in it. But what I love is that in this book, there's background. Um, raise your hand if you know the whole story of Isaiah. Okay, this is exciting. Okay, so what I know is that sometimes we get afraid of the Old Testament because we think we're going to have to experience a scary, scary God that casts judgment on his people and does all these crazy things. But what I want you to realize is in this book, I spent a lot of time doing it, but there is a timeline, this color-coded, all the things, and what I want you to do is we're going to be walking through this. And so I'm so excited that we get to walk through this journey together, okay? And one thing to know about this book is that there are four sections for each Session, Man, a lot of S's. And so in each session, you will find four sections that all start with S, okay? <laughs> because that's the way I work, and that's how my brain works. But so, in each week, you will find the anchor verse. So you'll see session one, and you'll find the anchor verse. This is my want, my heart's content, my prayer for you, is that you use this as a, as a moment where you just write. Write all the things, underline all the things, whether it's through our sermon and our time together or it's through small groups. But I just, if you are a booklet kind of person, praise God because I love you. But use this moment here. Then we have the beautiful sermon note section. What I want you to do, because I know that you probably can't remember what you had for breakfast on Thursday, right? I have all the humility in the world to know that you will not remember a single word I say Monday morning. And so what I want to do is I want to set you up for success. I want to set you up for success within your groups and your discussions with your small groups. And so my hope is that you use this place to write things that God is challenging you or maybe a question that you might have or... If I see something real cool that the Holy Spirit, like, leads into, like, use this space. Then you'll have two, the last two sections, and we have our Say Law section. Our Say Law section, if you were with us in Cultivate last year, we talked about this. Say Law literally means to pause and reflect. And I love it because we live in such a busy world. Like, if you even think about it, I think we glamorize busyness, and we're like, how was your week? Busy. Oh yeah, mine was busy too. Like we try to out-busy each other, and yet God is calling us as, as people who follow Jesus to stop and reflect because he has something to say to us. And, and so here's the thing. I was talking about this earlier at the 11 a.m. Who has ever run a marathon? Anyone? There was one person in the 11 a.m., and I was like, wow, you're my hero. Anyways, we all could kind of think about have you? Who 
happen, what it might be like if I just went to bed today and I was like, tomorrow I'm running a marathon, 26 point whatever miles tomorrow. How successful would I be? You would have to maybe just examine my brain if I was insane or not, because I would literally probably be dragging my lifeless body after mile three, okay? So let's be real. But why is that? It's because if you've done any sport, you know that for me, if I woke up and be like, I'm gonna do a marathon, okay. It's a simple thing. You just run for 26 miles and don't hear me wrong when I say simple, meaning easy. Because when we say live in love like Jesus, that's simple, but is it easy? No. But it just means that there's a path that we have to follow. And so what we know is if I wanted to run a marathon tomorrow, I'd probably get up and download an app and it'd be like, run for 15 seconds, now walk for five miles. Then run for 15 seconds again. Like that's the level I would probably have to start at. But eventually I'd gradually get the, the endurance and the strength to be able to run a marathon eventually. Now the thing is, running a marathon is never easy. But there's a path and a way to be able to do it within it, my capacity, right? Like if you do a sport, it's never easy to play in a match or a game or a, a race, whatever that looks like. But it's when, when you practice and you trade, it's within your capacity to do so. That's the same thing with stopping and spending time with Jesus. I know a lot of high schoolers, when they come back from camp, you get the next step card and you check off, I want to read my Bible more. And then I check in with those uh, students and they're like, okay, I'm gonna get up at 5 a.m., I'm gonna read for a whole hour, and then I'm gonna get dressed and go start my day. And then I check in the week afterwards and it really, really failed. What I want us to realize is that we gotta train this muscle, just like anything else. And so what I've done, and here's my challenge, I put one Selah moment per week, that's six, in the next six weeks. Can you all do that? Yeah. Okay, okay, so this is a moment where you get to stop and reflect, and guess what, training wheels. I'm helping you out here. And, and so if you are maybe an intermediate level, and one isn't enough, let's start with one, and then there's something called the Version app, download it, or Google, and there's tons of other plans on Isaiah, jump in, like do it all, and I appreciate this, but in the next six weeks, Let's pause and reflect once because God is so worthy of it. The last thing is your small group questions are here. Get them in advance. Woohoo! If you're not in a small group, get one. Get one. I, I don't know any thriving Christian that isn't surrounded by people who love Jesus and will walk with you in the mundane things. Think about it. If the God of the universe who came down had apostles, 12 people he was with, living with daily, 24-7. Who are we? So if you're not a small group, Tuesday and Wednesday night, get in one, okay? Come talk to me. So that is our booklet. Bring it every single week to small groups, to Sundays. It is going to be so much that God has to say to you. All right, that was done. All right. Here's what we are doing. We are jumping into Isaiah. If you have your booklet, you can go to it. We are looking at chapter 6, verse 1 through 8 
tonight. I'm so excited because this is a new journey for us. So here goes. Verse 1, it says, It was the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. I want to pause and got your pen. Here it goes. Here it goes. Underline, the year King Uzziah died. Why is that important? That's important because if you were of this time, that would have instantly had you remember something or think of something. And in that day, they, they had King Uzziah. He was over the, the group and ruling over for 52 years. And he was considered, so sorry guys, he was considered a good guy. He was considered a good guy. He loved Jesus. And so in that time and day, if he loved Jesus, he was in power. Whatever he did, it was fine. And so they would refer to him as like the good old days. For us, think of 2019. Like, those were the good old days, right? Those were the days where, like, masks, what? Like, I, I, I go back to 2019, and in the same vein, it seems like it was just yesterday and a million lifetimes ago. And so this is what would have happened when they read, when he died. Like, this would have been our March 2020. Because this was a moment where there was just a lot of confusion. They're like, who is going to rule? Who is going to be on the throne? And yet we see instantly that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne. I could imagine Isaiah in this moment where a king has died. There might have been a lot of confusion. And yet God is reminding Isaiah that he is on the throne. I want us to realize that when we look at Isaiah, we get to see this through line through all of the chapters again. That Jesus was never a plan B. He was always plan A. And because of that, we get to see hope throughout this book of Isaiah, pointing back to Jesus, pointing back to the hope that we have because it's not tethered to this world. Their king had died. And yet... If we say that our address is not on this world, but it is in heaven, when we say we are part of the citizen culture, we should not be worried. So when you face moments that are dark, that are challenging, that are tough, I want you to look back to verse 1. Because God is always on the throne. I love it because God isn't panicked. He isn't worried. He isn't caught off guard because that is not who he is. I love it because some pastors describe God as a God who rules the universe with his feet up. He rules the universe with not a care in the world because of who he is. Wow, that's only in verse 1. My gosh. And what I love is that when we see Isaiah describing what he saw, he talked only about the train of his robe that filled the temple. Meaning that he was so overwhelmed that he could only focus on the train of God's robe. I love this because it continues on. There's so much more to unpack in these verses. Verse 2, it says, Attending him, so attending God, mighty seraphim, also known as burning ones, 
each having six wings, with two wings that cover their faces, with two that cover their feet, and two that flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth was filled with his glory. Their voice shook the temples to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Holy smokes. Like, wow, if you can imagine, this is the presence of God. These burning ones saying, holy, 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 over and over and over again. And what I always think about when the Bible's created paper was not something that we can go to Office Depot and pick up a ton of paper and not even bat an eye, right? In this time, it was a process to make the paper, and only the wealthy had access to paper. And so when I read the Bible, I read it knowing that every single word was intentional. Every single word had meaning and weight. And so what I want us to realize is like, okay, holy, holy, holy. What does that repetition mean? What does it mean for my life? What does it mean for Isaiah? And when we look at the Hebrew language, we have to realize that repetition means emphasis. Now, when they would say a word and then repeat it, it means that you should underline it, circle it, because this was important and crucial for the understanding of the text. And yet in this verse, in this section of Isaiah, we see that it is not repeated twice, but three times. So this is the moment where you circle it, you underline it, you highlight it. It should be the biggest thing on the page because this is foundational. It's cornerstone to what God has for us through Isaiah's experience. And, and so I think holiness can be this moment where we say it a lot in church and then we forget or lose the meaning or the essence of the word. And so what I want us to do is we're going to, little history, history note, here we go. In Hebrew, it is Kadesh, meaning something which is cut off, separate, or set apart in a category all its own. So if you could imagine God, God is separate, he is cut off, he is in his own category. And being able to say, holy, 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 means it is so separated that it is separated beyond anything in this world. I want us to realize that holiness not only describes the majesty of God, but also the purity of God. Knowing that his majesty, his power, his sovereignty, his, his love, it also describes the pureness of God. Knowing that he is sinless, he is blameless, he is perfect. So set apart that not only is he set apart from us who are broken and full of sin, but he is separated from sin itself. Sin cannot be anywhere near him. So we might be looking at this and like, oh, well, if he's separated from sin, and I am like swimming in it, what does that mean for my relationship with God? And this is the point where we get to realize that this is the same thing that Isaiah is going to realize 
But I love this because Jer, Jerry Bridges makes this super powerful uh, description of holiness. He says, holiness is the perfection of all God's other attributes. His power is holy power. His mercy is holy mercy. His wisdom is holy wisdom. It is his holiness more than any other attribute that makes him worthy of our praise. You're like, whoa. Like when we think of God and we think of his attributes, like if you've ever done like a plan on the version app and you're like, the attributes of God. What are some of the things you think about? Like faithfulness, right? Love, generosity, mercy. And don't get me wrong, those are beautiful, important things about God. Or maybe you're on the other side and you're like, okay, I think of his wrath and his judgment and his hate of sin. And what we have to realize is holiness is this umbrella over all his attributes. Because of his holiness, because of his set-apartness from sin, is the fact that he can be faithful, that he can be consistent in his mercy, in his love, in his justness, in his wrath. And so for us, we as HSM have to realize that God's holiness is above it all. God is the reason why, like his holiness is the reason why we gather today. Because if we go back to the way that Jesus did his ministry, went on a cross on our behalf, and rose again, was why? It's because he was perfect, he was blameless, he was holy. So he did something that we could never, ever strive after. I, I always think about, I'm like, okay, movie references, like, I have to always think about the abstract and very concrete. Maybe it's just like the first grade teacher in me. She'll never leave. But the instantly I thought of Inside Out, who's seen Inside Out, it like gets me. Like, bing bong, ugh. Like when I know when that time comes and I'm like, he's not gonna make it. My mom's like, it's the 50th time you watched it. Like, you know what happens. But when I think about the attributes of God, I think of these characters, right? We've got anger, disgust, joy, anger. What else, what was it? Sadness. I love this. If anyone knows Courtney Lopez, I'm like, she's sadness. Love it. Um, right? Anyways, let's not get distracted. Um, our attributes of God is like this characters in the movie. They're a part of who? Of Riley, right? Riley is the one who manipulates these emotions, manipulates these characteristics about herself. And that is like the holiness of God. Because of his holiness, because of his character, he is able to be loving for, to you. He's able to be uh, forgiving for the things that you've done. He's able to walk with you because of his holiness. I love it because the Bible as a whole speaks more about God's holiness than God's love. Really? In Isaiah alone, 30 times, talks about God's holiness or that he's the God of holy armies, or he's the holy of God. Like he, his holiness 30 times, but in the whole entire Bible, because we see all the other authors echo this, is 637 times. 637 times God is referred in his holiness, in his majesty. So for us, as followers of God, we have to take a minute and pause and be like, this is important to our walk. This is important to us. Verse 5, it says, Then I said, 
It's all over, so this is Isaiah talking. It's all over, I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of Heaven's army. You see, this is Isaiah's response to being in the presence of a holy God, in the presence of a perfect, sinless God. And what is it? He sees his sin. He sees how gross and yucky and sinful he is. All the times that he's failed, he sees it. And what happens? In other translations, it says, woe is me. Like he, he is so overwhelmed by the presence and holiness of God that there is this moment where he realized, because he talks about filthy lips. And you're like, that sounds weird. But in that time, it would have meant that your whole entire body, it was like an idiom that your whole entire body was sinful. Because, you know, in Matthew, it talks about how our heart is reflected by what we say. And so what we have to realize is that we are the same. We are the same. If you could imagine, if you were in Isaiah's shoes, if you were experiencing the presence of God in all his glory, we would have the same reaction. Because we have to realize that in the Bible it talks about if you see God, you perish. So you see the grace that God has over his life, right? You see the grace that he's still living and breathing. Because if we look at the seraphim, also known as the burning ones, what are, they, what are they doing? They're covering themselves. Because God is too holy for them to be present, to look him in the eyes in all his glory. And yet what? They, they can't help themselves to be close. Like when we sing sometimes that God is a consuming fire, it is because his holiness is just so overwhelming that the only thing we, we have here on earth to describe it is fire. And I know for a fact that this, this area knows the dangers, the hardships, the scariness of fire, right? When we have a wild fire, it has no control other than wherever it wants to consume something. And yet, there have been so many nights and we put out these bonfires, and what happens? People are drawn to them. We've had bonfires before, and how many times can you think of so deep conversations, so life-giving conversations around a campfire? And so what we have to realize is that this is the moment describing God in all his holiness. Now, I think for us, sometimes we have to have this like clear reality check of every time we read a story and we see of the good guy in the story, whatever that means, we always put ourselves in that seat. We're like, oh yeah, I'm David. I'd never be King Saul. But I love this because um, R.C. Sprout wrote a book called The Holiness of God. It's like super intense. If you ever want to dive in, like go for it. But it's a lot, it's a lot to consume. But what struck me was this section where he says, deep inside the secret chambers of our hearts, we harbor the notion that God owes us his mercy. Have we ever done that? Heaven would not be quite the same if you were excluded from it. We know that we're sinners, but we surely not as bad as we could be. Ever done that? There are enough redeeming features to our personalities that if God is really just, he will include us in salvation. Guess what? No. 
Isaiah is experiencing this. Remember, God's holy means he's cut off. He's cut off from sin. And because we are not perfect, he cannot be with us. And that is why Isaiah's reaction is so large, just simply being in his presence. And yet sometimes we just have the arrogance to think, well, I'm good enough. I've come to small group every week. I'm here. And yet we get to realize that this is the moment where we get the reality check that nothing you can do could ever earn that salvation. And this through line that we have throughout the book of Isaiah is the fact that Yahweh is salvation. He is the salvation, the only way, and that is through Jesus. There is no other way. And so only when we understand God's holiness will we understand the depth of our sin. Only when we realize how holy he is beyond our fathom, we only will scratch the tiny surface of God's holiness when we understand a tiny bit of the depth of our sin. Sin literally meaning when we miss the mark. When we miss the mark of what God has for you. And let me tell you, I believe this with all my heart, that God created you on purpose, for a purpose, and that was to glorify the kingdom of God. And would that be true only by accepting that Jesus is your Lord and Savior and he did something on a cross and conquered death that you could never, ever do simply because we are not holy. He is. He is holy. And so we see Isaiah confessing himself because if we look at who Isaiah was, he was a cousin of a, uh, of a king. So this guy had it all. Like he was someone living in Sherman, like Oaks area, Hollywood, like somewhere grand and big and glamorous. And yet, when he's brought into the holiness and presence of God, still has this reaction. I think it's important for us to realize that we are the Isaiahs in this story. And if we were to experience God's holiness, we would have the same reaction to his presence. Verse 6 goes on and says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, meaning Isaiah, with a burning coal that he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. Imagine how hot this coal was if someone who was also known as a burning one couldn't touch it. Okay? So what happens is he, the seraphim then, verse 7, he touched my lips with it. And said to Isaiah, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Isaiah has just experienced him being saved through judgment. He just experienced something that was supposed to, to take him out. Like, could you imagine? I can't ever being there and being like, okay, here's a coal to your face. Like, no, I would cry out. And yet we don't see this. Why? It's, and what happens is that he gets purified, that he gets forgiven of his sins because in the presence of God, he realizes the depth of his sin. And yet God makes a way for him. So remember, 
You can't look at God without perishing. And so we see the grace of God continue on in this verse. And so what we have to step back and realize is that before we can know, follow, and serve God, we must first be cleansed by him. We must first be cleansed and purified before we can start knowing who he is, serving him, following him. What does that mean? I always think of any time I go into a restaurant and I wash my hands and you always are like looking at the signs and sometimes if it's like really a hit place, they'll have like cool like events that are happening in your bathroom stall. But what is the thing that you always see in every single bathroom? About employees, right? And what do they have to do before returning to work? Wash their hands. Because could you imagine an employee using the restroom or whatever and then going back to serve your burger and your fries? Ew. Ew. Like gross. Why? In this day and age, we know all about germs, right? Our food would be contaminated. It could get us sick. It could destroy us. Like, I don't know what's in the restroom. And I've watched enough, like like mystery science guy to know that it's not great. It's not great. And so we have to realize that that's just like our faith. That before we step into being able to follow God and being able to serve him and know him, you've got to be purified by him. This is what happened when Isaiah gets the coal touched to his that God's grace comes over and purifies him instead of just consuming him all. What we have to realize is God himself cleanses us through the work of Jesus and makes us useful for his work and his purposes. I don't know about you, but there are some areas in my life that I've been praying for, and I feel like what we call a quote-unquote Christian world waiting for season And sometimes I have to stop and remember that I want what God wants. Because I'm created on purpose for a purpose, and that is for his purposes, his glorification, for his work. And we'll see this in verse 8. Then I, Isaiah, heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to these people? Who will go for us? The Trinity, which I think is beautiful. Isaiah, this is his response. I said, Here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. The beautiful part in this tiny little sentence is the fact that God has a call. It's not a command, it's an invitation for Isaiah which means also for ourselves, that when we are able to submit and be humble to the purification of our own sin and grossness, hardness, whatever we have that separates us, that cuts us off from God's holiness, that we get asked to do a partnership with God. I love it because it's always God's heart to bring his people towards him. Because again, Yahweh is salvation, and salvation leads to life. And so when we realize that he is the salvation, and he invites us in it, it gives us hope and a cause for celebration. We just sang up here, you guys were jumping and dancing and rejoicing to what? I thank God. Have you ever stopped to ponder and think about what are you thanking? 
powerful enough to accomplish all that he desires. He can do it all himself. He doesn't need us. And yet, however, he is patient and loving enough to allow us to be a part of his work. He is patient, he's slow to anger, he is willing to come alongside us, and that is through Jesus. And so as we study through Isaiah, I want you to realize that Jesus has always been the way, will only be the way for us to be able to have reconciliation with our creator. Because he's a creator who wants his creation close to his heart. But because of his holiness, we were cut off, we were separated. And so he had to know that there was going to be a way through Jesus to have that reconciliation, to repair that. And so what I want us to do is I want us to realize that God's glory is within our reach. We just have to realize that there is an invitation for us to walk with him. It is not a command, it is an invitation, because he could have easily created robots who automatically loved him, served him, did everything perfect, and yet is that love? No. Our God created us for a way to make a choice to enter into this invitation with us. I'm going to invite the band up, and so what I would love, in the next six weeks, come back, invite a friend. Spend time in Selah with God this week. If you're in a small group, have deep uh, discussions. Ask the hard questions because our leaders want to be there to walk with you. And do you know we don't pay any of our leaders? Like, shocker, they volunteer their time. Why? Because they know that the worthiness of our God, they know the depth of their sins, knowing that the only way for them to walk in their purpose and knowing that their purpose is walking with high schoolers like you. And so I'm going to leave you with these last two things, um, was the fact that I hope you have this leaning forward kind of posture. What does that mean? It means that you have this moment where you decide that for the next six weeks, you're going to challenge yourself to lean forward in it. Bring your booklet. Come to small group. Ask the questions. Be present in this moment. Don't let distractions take over because God has something to say to you tonight. Maybe he did. Maybe it's a conversation after. Come find a leader. Ask a question. If coffee is your thing, it's also my thing. And if you want to grab coffee with myself or Aaron, like, that is what we get to do. And I praise God every day that this is my job. To get to encourage high schoolers like you. JD as well. But he, I mean, he's, he's a waiting list until 2040. I'm here. Anyways. So I hope that you lean in. You lean in forward. And then the last thing is, you should have gotten a card. If you don't have one, we have some in the back of the leader to get it to you. I want you to grab it. And I want you to hold it in your hand. Grab a pen. Because just like Isaiah, who is invited into this moment with God, is the here I am, send me. You are invited because of Jesus. We are reconciled. We, we don't need a coal to our face to be purified. We just have to praise you, God, and say, Jesus, I accept you because you are my Lord and my Savior. And so what I want you to do is take this paper, and the band's going to play a song called Send Me. 
Listen to the words. Man, it, it just gets my heart every single time. But what I want you to do is I want you to let this song, I stay in your seat, don't come up. Let it be sung over you. And as you do, pray about who is your one or what is your where. Who is your one that for the next six weeks you're going to pray, maybe without even them knowing. And I want you to write that name on there and stick it in your Bible. If you try, put it on your visor. And every single time that you say that you're going to see it, I want you to stop 20 seconds. That's all it takes because God's power and the power of prayer is so intense. We just have to be invited. And that's what God has already done. Or maybe it's not a who, maybe it's a where. Where's God sending you? Maybe if you're a senior, it's what college? Maybe if you're an underclassman, maybe it's a where are you going to get involved at church? Where are you going to serve somebody else? And so I want you to take this time to think about and pray about it. And for this whole entire song, we're going to practice a lot, okay? We're going to practice and think about who's your one or where's your way or what is your where. And really let this song just wash over you because God has an invitation. And I'm so excited about the rest of this book because he's not done yet. He's not done yet. Father, Lord, I thank you for your character. I thank you for your faithfulness. But Lord, above it all, I thank you for your holiness and your heart to be close to us. Lord, I thank you for Jesus and what he's done, Lord. And I thank you for every single moment that I've sinned and you've just covered me and showered me with graciousness and forgiveness, Lord. So I pray and lift up every single heart that is in the room, Lord, would you bring us closer to you? Lord, would you make us understand the holiness and the grandeur of you and the depths of our sin? Lord, would you convict us to have spirits to have forward leading in the next six weeks? Lord, would we be changed? Would we be transformed by Isaiah, Lord? Lord, I thank you in advance for all the beautiful stories that you were writing with, with our lives. Lord, we thank you and we praise you and we trust you. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this, don't forget to subscribe and also check out past episodes. For more content from Calvary HSM or to connect with us, visit us on Instagram at CalvaryHSM805. Go live and love like Jesus.